Welcome to Viz, the podcast and show where the power of human connection and the age of information is the real driver behind our content. To sum us up, we, two curious journalists, discuss very important stuff, also the initials of Viz, with interesting people. We get up close and personal with each other and with what we're discussing to give you, our listeners, the power to make positive change through knowledge about different topics. I'm Star. And I'm Izzy, and this week's topic is the US presidential inauguration and race. We wanted to talk about the inauguration just because it's such a monumental moment in world history for so many reasons that we'll cover later on in the show. And we want to talk about race because, uh, I mean, did you see what happened last year? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, literally. The, you know, the protests which happened in the wake of the killing of George Floyd, the kind of global uprising to take stock of the moment of of, of BLM. Yeah, it kind of really just shone through in the last summer didn't it it was quite amazing but we'll get to that later on in the show um so first of all we wanted to have a chat about the presidential inauguration which was yesterday um i didn't watch it all from start to finish but um, i watched all the all the key moments and it was really quite something wasn't it is it was yeah i mean it just felt like it had an air of of hopefulness mm. and uh, I feel like the whole world sort of stood back and watched it in amazement at what was happening so yeah it was it was an insane day mm. yeah it really was and um, I think I suppose a couple of my things which stood out for me which, uh, was one was um, Joe Biden's inauguration speech itself um, I love that line uh, democracy has prevailed um, and I think that's um, such uh, an apt um, kind of, I suppose, sentiment um, to speak into the, the kind of global political landscape as it as it sounds now. Mm. And and you know to contextualise that as well. You know, Joe Biden is coming in off the back of a, a, a presidential administration that was kind of very anti the world. Uh, in, ma- in many respects you know Trump um, kind of oversaw uh, the withdrawal of the US from the Paris Agreement um, from the World Health Organization um, saw the ban uh, the travel ban from majority Muslim countries I mean it was you know really kind of yeah quite statement stuff um, and you know that only fed into um, causing the, the the divides in America to grow even more so I think mm. that Biden's speech actually was really important um, because for those reasons, but also something which we'll talk about later on, um, you know, the the riots which have happened recently, I think just speak to this high tension place that America mm. is in at the moment. And yeah, this- yeah. And it, I, I was writing, I wanted to do a little blog post about the comparison between Biden's inauguration speech and Trump's and Trump's is just full of divisive rhetoric aiming at blaming someone somewhere for all the problems that America is 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 was facing at the time that he came in Mm. and and then you look at Biden's and he uses words like common love and unity and heal Mm. and they're all just such 
restorative words. Restore and gain, you know, those are all all words that he used, wasn't it? Yeah. There's hopeful words, you know, these not even though um they can be seen as like abstract and and not as like concise and to the point as perhaps Trump's was. I think just having that sense of uh, stewardship mm. and responsibility and mm. accountability on behalf of mm. the American people and like mm. demonstrating that he is there to help them. Mm. It it was just like uh, yeah, it just offered mm. a new sense of optimism mm. for America. Mm. I think, mm. and I think what Biden, you know, just to pick up on you know follow up what you said there as well. I think that's what he does really well is you know considering the considering the fact that you know it's still 70 million americans voted for trump he's got a really tough job on his hands um and i think actually yeah. what came across for me is that he he seemed really genuine um about the fact that he he wanted to be mm. a president for all americans you know saying you know even if you didn't vote for me i stand for you i'm for you i want to heal this country not tear it apart and as you said, again, it just really provides such a contrast to that kind of, you know, hostile, combative um, rhetoric that, yeah. that, that Trump kind of really, really championed in his time as president. Um, yeah. But, you know, Biden wasn't um, kind of, you know, all words without action yesterday or, or mouth and no trousers, as they say, um, because <laughs> he on the on the first day of um you know his presidency after the inauguration he he got right down to the ground in reversing yeah, some of yeah. the, these key moments of Trump's administration yeah he he reversed Trump's withdrawal uh, from the US of the US from the Paris climate accord yeah yeah um, which, which is just which is just such a triumph for the environment. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and he also revoked the uh, presidential permit granted to the uh, Keystone XL pipeline, uh, which has been massively opposed by environmentalists and Native American groups. Um, you know, maybe not so much in the news over here, um, but it's been a kind of a really keynote topic in America over the last um, several months. Yeah, and he also revoked Trump's policies on immigration enforcement and the emergency declaration that helped fund the construction of the Mexican border wall, mm. um, which I think speaks for itself, that, that idea of divisiveness, like that Trump was physically dividing people and mm. already Biden's come in and taken that division away. Mm-mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and kind of speaking into the um, current pandemic as well, um, he also brought about a, a mask and distancing mandate for federal employees in federal buildings um, and a new White House office um, specifically on coronavirus, which hasn't actually existed up until this point, which is which is really quite crazy. Um, yeah. Cause... About time. Uh, yeah, about time. about time. Yeah. Just what, like a year late? <laughs> um yeah so yeah he's he's also ended the um the travel ban that star mentioned earlier the travel ban on visitors from some which were mostly muslim nations mm, um, mm. which i think is going to do a lot for their international relations and yeah, in, in general international relations definitely and that yeah. and that's just on his that's just on his um first day so um yeah definitely mm. um yeah i'm I'm interested. I'd say I'm. I'm very interested to see how Biden goes about 
tackling yeah. uh, this these next four years. Um, you know, he's he's got a blue board, even if it is um, by small margins. You know, he you know he's got control of the um, House of Representatives. Um, and the Senate is evenly split, but obviously Kamala Harris can be the deciding vote and break those votes, which are a complete tie. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, um, he's got a very ambitious presidential agenda. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how he tackles that in this very divided America, yeah, which we've been talking be about. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So another, I just wanted to bring up another kind of standout uh, moment for me when I was looking at the inauguration as well um was the Amanda Gorman poetry um again just to reiterate what we've already been talking about I just thought it was this perfect message of unity uh, strength hope um and for those of you who didn't watch the inauguration or um uh, don't don't know what we're referring to Amanda Gorman is a 22 year old uh, Los Angeles born writer and performer and America's youth poet laureate uh, she recited her poem, The Hill We Climb, uh, becoming the youngest poet to perform at a presidential inauguration. Now, is I'm 22, <laughs> and I have to say... <laughs> so am I. W- watching, oh watching the amazing Amanda Gorman um, perform that did put my life into rather harsh perspective. Um, mm-hmm. Having said that, I thought it was amazing. And I think just the vision of a young black woman mm. standing in front of like the entirety of America, mm. reading her poem is so inspirational. Mm. And I don't think I don't think I mean it's going to be a standout. Yeah, it's going to be a standout moment for for a very long time. Yeah, definitely. Um, proper historical it's just like moment. it's a it's this yeah it's a sign of the progression it's a sign of progression and mm. um yeah it makes me smile yeah definitely me too <laughs> um <laughs> we um also thought um that it would be nice to have a kind of first-hand experience of the inauguration day yesterday given that it's uh you know kind of such a, a key moment in world history um and so we um asked a uh, journalism friend of ours Noah who's currently actually in DC at the moment um to um do an audio diary of the day um so yeah we just wanted to play that for you now um so yeah you can kind of get a get a sense of the atmosphere and and the kind of hopes and fears from a from a real American um, I don't know what that accent was, um, but it it it, <laughs> it, it, it happened. So it happened. It's out there now. So um, yeah. So anyway, um, this is uh, uh, audio diary by Noah Abbott, um, and yeah, we hope you enjoy. I'm feeling really, really good about uh, Biden and his administration and and Kamala Harris and the future. Really, um, I think. Biden is such a contrast to Trump in almost every single way. Um, and one thing that you can you can really see right now, you can see, is the administration that Biden is trying to trying to push. And he, for many, he has kept his he's already kind of kept his promise to 
have a I have a cabinet have an administration that looks more like America. I do believe fifty percent of his cabinet and his administrative picks are people of color. They're LGBTQ plus members, and they're members of communities who have generally been underrepresented, unre- unrepresented in our democracy. Listening to Amanda Gorman, the 22-year-old youth poet laureate who spoke just after Biden at the inauguration, gave me the sense of a rising of hope and better judgment and better prosperity, more equal prosperity. Um, I, I think, like many, many people out there, um, I've been greatly impressed by uh, Amanda Amanda's words, and just this the the message the message for unity uh, in America and from this inauguration. Something I think that is really gonna have to change in this administration is how we look at the how we how we look at the cause of of inequality and injustice in America, particularly relating to police reform and uh, economic and environmental injustice um, and racism throughout kind of our, our system of our country. And I think, I think we're really going to have to push President Biden and uh, Vice, President, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris to, to really tackle police reform and systemic racism within our judicial system. You know, there are, there are many fundamental differences between Biden and Harris and Trump and Pence, but I think one of the most significant ones is that Biden and Harris believe in... They believe in representation and diversity they believe in listening to others and understanding others and I think that's one of the most fundamental and most crucial differences between the administration the administration that is going to take over and the one that has left, been left behind oh I love Noah I love Noah. Yeah. He's an insightful little chap. He is. He's he so is. lovely. And he's just, yeah, he's full of beans. Yeah, he is. And really happy that we could incorporate him in our show, actually. Um, yeah, definitely watch out for that name, Noah Abbott. You heard it here first. Viz on Source FM. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, Joe Biden coming in, making a change, healing divisions. But I think... I think it's really important to kind of reflect on how we got to this point um, where Joe Biden is being sworn as sworn in as the 46th president of the United States, you know, um, and how that is, is through the African-American voter base, um, because had it not had it not been for them, uh, I don't I don't think that Joe Biden would have won the election. And and a kind of key point to that being that the US election this year largely came down to battleground states. 
Um, so 87% of black people in the US voted for Biden. And, you know, it's largely to do with the fact of what we were talking about at the start of the show. This amazing, unprecedented cultural moment of Black Lives Matter, of these protests in, in the wake of the death of George Floyd. Um, these protests happened um, and it did something to really mobilise that voter base. So just to kind of give you an example, um, in some of the key battleground states, um, so, if, you know, if, if you're not too sure what a battleground state is, it's essentially states that switch between being Republican or Democrat from election to election. Um, and in most of them, um, it was the black vote that swung in the Democrats' favour, aka in um, Joe Biden's favour. So, um, for example, um, 50%, over 50% of all Democratic voters in Georgia, which was um, one of the key uh, battleground states, um, 33% of that state population is black. Uh, 20% of the Democratic voters in Michigan, um, which was another uh, key swing state, um, 14% of that state population is black. So, you know, there's only 6% popu- um, only six that, that isn't. And 21% of all Democratic voters in Pennsylvania, another key swing state, um, 12% of the state population is black. So you can see that by quite a large majority, where the majority of African-American voters voted for Biden in those in those key battleground states, it really um, won him the election by quite a landslide. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned earlier, following the death of George Floyd on the 25th of May last year, the Black Lives Matter movement exploded on a worldwide scale, um, and there were protests in hundreds of countries around the world, attended by hundreds of thousands of people. And it kind of, you know, what we've already been touching on a bit in the show so far, it all brought centre stage the issues of systemic racism and police brutality. Uh, it was this unprecedented rise in awareness around issues of white supremacy, institutional racism, and kind of ground up racial bias. Um, and that kind of included bringing forward a conversation about a lot of issues, which until now um, have actually gone unnoticed by the majority. So, you know, for example, um, there was a lot of conversation about um, the difference between being not racist, you know, that's what a lot of people say um, when confronted with the issue of racism, oh, but I'm not racist, I'm not racist. Um, There is actually a difference between, you know, being not racist and anti-racist. and I remember having a conversation with my mum, so I'm uh, mixed race, my mum's white, my dad's uh, black with African uh, Jamaican heritage, Um, and, you know, I remember having a conversation even with my own mum, saying, you know, mum, do you know what it means to be anti-racist? Do you or any of your white middle-aged friends actually would you know the difference between being not racist and anti-racist? And she didn't know. And, you know, she's she's got a mixed-race daughter. Um, so, you know, kind of in families all all, all around the world, these conversations were, were happening. Um, and they were really difficult conversations to be having, um, but also so important. And I think what Joe Biden did very well at was incorporating this uprising of Black Lives Matter and and all the topics that surrounded it um, into his presidential election campaign. 
Uh, now, a lot of controversy followed the protests, which I'm sure a lot of people will be aware of, um, including Donald Trump labelling the movement as a symbol of hate and refusing to accept or condemn white supremacy, um, even inciting known white supremacist groups to stand up and stand by, and that happened in the um, presidential debate uh, back in October, I think it was. Um, and that all served to only widen these deep divides which you've been talking about, these deep divides which Joe Biden is coming in to try and kind of heal, which were already happening among among the American population under the Trump administration. Um, so at this point in the story, uh, it's probably a good point to pass it over to Izzy. He wanted to talk about the riots on, on Capitol Hill because so I just wanted to kind of yeah. background... Um, where joe biden was coming in at yeah so so biden um came in i'm sure he was pretty nervous when he stood up there and and made that speech because the national guard had been sleeping in the capitol building like on the floor and stuff i saw pictures on yeah like just just in case something bad had happened after after the events i'm going to talk about now so if you if the if you guys um didn't know um this is just a bit of context on the 6th of january so that was uh, i think two the new year was marked with an act of shocking violence which was incited by donald trump um at a save america rally which was being held in support of trump um it just turned into something that nobody really expected when thousands of the attendees stormed the capital uh, stormed capitol hill under Trump's encouragement, and inside the building, Congress were actually meeting to certify Biden as the 46th president of the US. Mm -hmm. But what followed were scenes of chaos. The mob looted the place, waved American flags, screamed out the rhetoric that Trump had been spreading since November. And um, the federal law enforcement and security were attempting to stop the mob but they were soon defeated, like the mob just got through, it was so violent, they managed to get into the building and then all of the um, co Congress had to evacuate. Um, it was it was just crazy. And But what was most striking <laughs> about it was the response of American law enforcement. Mm. And I mean, it can, it can be seen if you just briefly compare the American uh, law enforcement's response to the Black Lives Matter protests mm. last summer that happened at the same building a few months prior to this protest. Mm. Now, on June the 1st, 2020, a crowd of a similar size gathered outside the White House to protest after the killing of George Floyd, which Starr has mentioned. Um, and they were calling to end police brutality and racial inequity. And while the scenes seen in June were dramatically more peaceful than those of two weeks that two weeks just gone so on the 6th of january this year the response was much more dramatic mm. an army of federal agents assembled after trump demanded that they show their dom dominance and demonstrate that we don't tolerate this chemical mm. agents were used and rubber bullets were used to break up the peaceful protests mm. um and i mean i read an article about this in the washington uh, washington post uh, written by rachel Ch chasen and samantha schmidt sorry if i've pronounced those wrong um, that compares these two protests and and sort of sums up really well um, like differences. It, it reads this, 
quote, these two demonstrations at the most prominent symbols of democracy in the nation's capital will define Trump's legacy, highlighting the divisions he has stoked and the disparate treatment of black and white people in America by law enforcement, unquote. Now, this is just an excellent summary of just how political this matter of race has become. Um, and while I now these events seem to be the stuff of the American news, the implications are actually far-reaching and they mm. do reach the UK. The political mm. landscape at the moment sees the UK and the US becoming much closer allies due to the distance that's been created by us and our European neighbours after Brexit. And while Trump was avidly in favour of Brexit, Biden has expressed that he wants to tighten up internal matters before signing any trade agreements with other countries. So it seems that if the UK does want to continue the century-old relationship it has with the economic and political giant of the US, mm. it will have to remain like a junior part- a partner, a partner that doesn't have as much say in like their alliance. Um, and this means that the UK will remain a country dependent on you and much of a say in it. And so whilst these events seem American, wholly American and, and for the Americans, actually, mm. we need to start considering American politics and how it's going to impact on our, our nation, too. So actually, it is a bit close. It's a bit closer to home than expected. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. the role that race plays in um, British politics and in particular uh, Cornwall, even, um, you know, it's really worth um, drawing attention to um, because there's a lot more there than, um, you know, people might first first realise. Yeah, so I suppose the question is just, you know, what what relevance does all this conversation that we've been having play um to Cornwall and the UK you know um so BLM protests were seen here too even in Cornwall Uh, and it's important because Cornwall has a history that is actually intrinsically linked to black history and therefore um the lived experience of black people in the UK today and uh, you heard me talk earlier about how and why the issues that um, Black Lives Matter brought to our attention is so important um but I just thought you know for people who maybe don't know, just a couple of bits of history um, about um, Falmouth uh, and Cornwall um, that people might not know. So, for example, Sir William Trelawney, those who are local may recognise that that surname, uh, who was the sixth baronet of uh, Trelawney near Lou in Cornwall, uh, was a wealthy and influential man, and he was the governor of Jamaica from 1765 to uh, 1772. Um, So there is actually a Falmouth in Jamaica, um, which many people might not know. Also, one of the the most famous violin player to ever come out of Cornwall, uh, an an 18th century uh, violin virtuoso called Joseph Antonio Emedy, um, was, uh, you know, ended up heading up the Truro Philharmonic Orchestra. Um, and he was a ba- he was a he he was um, a black slave that was uh, um, captured by the Portuguese and then press ganged by the British and and dumped on one of the local beaches around here. 
So you know that there's there's many more examples I can give. And one organisation which actually dedicates themselves to educating people on um, the, the the history that Cornwall uh, and Falmouth and the local area has with black history is an organisation called Black History Bootleg. So do go and check them out. Um, they're called Black History Bootleg. They're run by a, a lovely couple of people called uh, Rob and Kate. Um, and, you know, there's loads more information on their website as well. So those are just a couple of bits of uh, information which I thought, you know, kind of ties everything that we've been talking about um, into into it locally, into Cornwall, into Falmouth. Mm. Um, so I reckon we've done a lot of talking. I reckon it's about yes. now time for a song. Yeah, so this is going to be my first song choice of today now this is a song that has been described by critics in the music industry as unapologetically black Uh, it's an anthem for the struggle of those who have been discriminated against based on their race or anything else really Um, the entire album by Kendrick Lamar to pimp a butterfly is a musical and poetry masterpiece and I would highly recommend that everybody listens to it Um, And also, if you find the time to also read the lyrics, because it is just some of the finest, most impactful modern poetry of today. Um, And speaking to so it's King Kunta by Kendrick Lamar. But Lamar said about the song that it's the story of struggle and standing up for what you believe in. No matter how many barriers you've got to break down, no matter how many escape routes you've got to run to tell the truth. That's what I think we can all relate to. And without from those wise words i think you should just listen and appreciate the beauty of this song i got a bone up here i don't want you monkey mouth because sitting in my throne again i'm mad but i ain't stressing true friends one question where you and I was walking, now I run a game, got the whole world talking, King Kunta, everybody wanna cut the legs off him, Kunta, black man taking no losses, oh yeah, where, where you and I was walking, now I run a game, got the whole world talking, King Kunta, everybody wanna cut the legs off him, when you got the yams, what's the yams, the yam is the power that be, you can smell it when I'm walking down the street, oh yes we can, oh yes we can, I can dig rapping, but a rapper with a ghost rider, what the f*** happened? Oh no! I swore I wouldn't tell, 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 tell. But most of y'all share bars like you got to buy the bunk in a two-man sale. A two-man sale. Something's in the water. Something's in the water. And if I got a brown nose for some gold, then I'd rather be a bum than a motherfucker. Oh yeah! Where, where you and I was walking, now I run a game, got the whole world talking. King Kota, everybody wanna cut the legs off. King Kota.
off, mammoth. I was gonna kill a couple rappers, but they did it themselves. Everybody's suicidal, they didn't even need my help. This shit is elementary, I'd probably go to jail. If I shoot at your identity and bounce to the left, stuck a flag in my city. Everybody's screaming, Compton, I should probably run from here when I'm done. To be honest, and I put that on my mama and my baby boo too. 20 million walking out the court, baby, whoa, whoa. Oh yeah, f the judge, I made it past 25. And there I was, a little nappy headed with the world behind him. Life fake, but a fat Screaming, Annie, are you okay? By the time you hear the next pop, the funk shall be within you. Now I run the game, got the whole world talking. King Coulter, everybody wanna cut the legs off. King Coulter, black man taking no losses. Oh yeah, where, where you and I was walking. Now I run the game, got the whole world talking. King Coulter, everybody wanna cut the legs off. conflicted misusing your influence what uh what a what an anthem eh mm, what an anthem it's, yeah it's, i think songs like that need to be played a lot like they, more often they really do and i mean that whole album to pimp a butterfly was really kind of center stage for the black power movement <clears throat> in america mm, and mm. kind of in quick succession you had um that release and you know Beyonce's performance at the Super Bowl with you know all the Black Panther dancers. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, just yeah. conjures such powerful um images. That song, I really, yeah, love it. And I love Kendrick. What Lamar an as icon! Well. What an icon! Yeah, yeah, he's he's an iconic guy. He's, he is. Uh, he's just something you you know you've got certain special people and I mean not all celebrities but Kendrick Lamar is just a special kind of guy, isn't he? Yeah, he definitely um, in, is. in what he does. Now, if you've just tuned in, you are listening to Viz on Source FM with Star and Izzy. And today we're talking about um, the US presidential inauguration and race. Yay. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Um, So we uh, wanted to talk about an organisation called Black Voices Cornwall, uh, which was set up in the wake of the death of George Floyd and the BLM protests. Uh, that followed which we've been talking about and um, this organization really aims to bring awareness to the topic of systemic racism as well as affecting positive change in Cornwall. Um, we really wanted to get um, um, someone called Marcus Elaine on to talk to us today, uh, he sits on the executive board of Black Voices Cornwall. Uh, unfortunately Marcus wasn't able to join us today for a live interview, um, however I have interviewed him recently about the work of Black Voices Cornwall and his experience as a person of colour living in Cornwall. So instead uh, of a live guest, uh, we're just going to plague you an edit of that interview which I did recently now, so enjoy. We were, it was, it came about after the, 
um, after the death of George Floyd, um, like many um, other organisations. And it was, I, I think, a result of uh, people of colour just feeling, uh, feeling a little bit empowered um, because of, you know, everything that's gone on um it it was that what it it was the the straw i think that broke the camel's back effectively um so for for us uh, as an organization we wanted to i think initially to be able to facilitate those people that wanted to either speak out or they wanted to tackle some of the issues that we face here in cornwall and start looking at what we can do as an organization to start challenging some of the mindsets um not just from you know the local community but um, with organizations and establishments that you know also have kind of systemic issues of racism and and bias running through them and have done for a long time a long time but we wanted to do that in a, in a positive way um it, it wasn't uh, a case of us jumping in feet first and saying, you need to do this, you need to do that. It, it was more about understanding the issues that were faced, I think, in Cornwall and working in partnership with the organisations to see how we can bring about some positive change. Mm. So myself um, and uh, some some of the like-minded colleagues and friends kind of got together and, and, and just said, you know, what, what can we do? What do you think we can achieve? Um, what tools do we have? between us to try and make this really effective and the first the first thing we wanted to do um was kind of come up with our uh, key aims um and we've got we've got 10 of them um and they 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 go from things like um looking at bringing back a race equalities council in the county um uh, promoting um uh, positive the positive teaching of, of black history and awareness within the education settings uh, we wanted to look at diversity um, and equality and how we could be challenging organizations to become anti-racist rather than non-racist mm-hmm. um, we wanted to look at trying to uh, generate a zero tolerance in Cornwall to racism mm-hmm. and support and encourage the celebration of um, the diverse cultures we have here in the county. Um, uh, My role specifically is to look at um, the judicial system and and look at how um, crime, uh, particularly hate crime, is being dealt with and racism, um, challenging some of the statistics that were uh, have been released uh, from Devon and Cornwall Police and the council. we wanted to work alongside health and social care partners and projects um, and also to try and um, develop and facilitate um, the BAME business and enterprise that we've got going on in Cornwall. So they, they were kind of the, the, the main areas that we wanted to focus on. I, I'd really love to be able to say that there was a unanimous support for what we were doing, uh, but sadly that isn't the case. Uh, on the whole, as a majority... Um, the response has has been incredibly positive, really encouraging. People are supporting uh, what we do. We ran a crowdfunder to help us generate some of the resources for the education packs. And, you know, we, we surpassed the target that we'd initially set, which is 
an indication that actually people are supportive of what we're doing. On the other hand, though, sadly, we are experiencing uh, the, the types of mindset that are, you know, racism doesn't happen here in Cornwall. You, you're mistaken. We don't need this. Um, and and we're getting the subtle kind of comments where you read be, between the line and you can understand or you can at least have a really good idea of who is on the other side of that keyboard. Um and then we've had cases where people have just been very, very open and very, very vocal uh, in, in that, you know, this isn't part of our culture. It's not part of our heritage. Why are we teaching black history to children in Cornish schools when it doesn't apply to them? Mm. Um, and we, we are getting those very narrow minded, um, again, uh, non-intellectual comments where people are failing or refuse to see the bigger picture. Um, and they don't or won't see that as beautiful as Cornwall is, you know, mm. outwardly, there's this undercurrent of racism that's been going on for decades, which I think up until very recently has been left to just ripple away, um, which is where we're getting these ideas and perceptions from people out of the county that we are, you know, a, a racist one of the most racist areas. Um, it, it's why we, I think, and this is in my own personal view, is that there is a little bit of a fear for people of colour to want to move to Cornwall um, because of the reaction or reception we might get. Supporters of the Black Lives Matter movement advocate that the only true way to affect change is through education. I asked Marcus how the work of Black Voices Cornwall has been received so far and what they're doing to affect permanent change in the county. We've set up a 100-day plan for our first 100 days of operation. Wow. Uh, and a big part of that was actually getting some educational resources together that we could offer free to any, any school um, in the county, uh, particularly for Black History Month, because it was important for us that we look at that and try and facilitate those members of staff or the educators that might not feel conf confident or comfortable delivering that. Um, so, so we put together those education packs under the leadership of um, Helen Hutchinson, who's our director um, of education. And um, we're really proud to, to to be able to kind of boast that we, we got those packs into over 160 schools in Cornwall. A, a huge number of children that are kind of just being exposed now to a different type of contents rather than the mainstream stuff that you can download online. And the great thing about those packages, it, it, you know, it's being developed and created by black people for black people or people of colour. Just things like language, you know, what's... Uh, and again, that's about education. Using the correct language and terminology is is crucial, I think, if we're looking at bringing about change. And and that's from us as a minority demographic in the county, but also to those people that are in power. So making sure that, you know, Devon and Cornwall Police are using the correct language when referring to a, a specific or certain ethnic minority, making sure that the council are fully aware that, you know, that some people find the, the term BAME inappropriate. So it's, again, it's like breaking down those barriers, engaging in those conversations and 
making sure that the communication language that's being used across the board is appropriate for all the settings. And that's a difficult thing to do, particularly for someone like Cornwall Council that have probably used the same terminology since their inception, you know. Um, and and we are here to facilitate and support those conversations and that communication and trying to reach out and, and create a network of, of the ethnic and the diverse minorities we've got here in the county. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. But I think a lot of it is, you know, education and communication are, are, are key and crucial aspects that we need to address and, and use appropriately as we try and move forward to make some change. In terms of tackling some of the issues we're facing in the county, it, 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 it's, we, we knew it would be a challenge because of the demographic here. But we thought, actually, do you know what? If we can, if we can get right in at at, at grassroots level, and and start with our young generations, it 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 allows us then to try and capture some of those minds mm-hmm. and and broaden those those mindsets and those thoughts and and look at different opinions and um, and education for us is 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 almost the backbone of our organization because you know we're not, we're not just talking about educating our children and our young people it's educating authority and organizations we we try and share um as much as we can across our social media platforms as well so we've got facebook instagram and, and twitter um so you can be engaging with us there um but also you can check out the website which is blackvoicescornwall.org um and you, you you know just get, just get in touch even if even if it's something like a, a you know what you might think is a really silly question like um you know i've got a, a friend who's who's dark skinned but i don't know how to refer to them when i'm having a conversation with other friends mm. you know it, we get we get that a lot it's um it it might be that you work or belong to an organization that is struggling to tackle the diversity and inclusion within your organization and we we, you know we can offer um uh, training in that area Uh, you know we're already going out into schools and we've um looking at a partnership now with nhs foundation trusts to, to to tackle exactly that you know we want to we want to be able to facilitate um, the networks that they have within their organisations. We want to be able to kind of challenge the leadership within those organisations and, and ensure that they're doing everything they can to create a really safe uh, and a fair environment for their employees. And it's about holding them to account if they're not. It's Again, it's about how, how do we now, in a non-confrontational way, start addressing the issues that we're facing and that that are tarring Cornwall as something that it might not be. There is, you know, liking and sharing something goes so far, but what are you doing as an individual to be able to, to call that out? Mm. And and this is where as an organization we can we can offer that support and facilitate those conversations and we can give you tools and tips and actions that you can start putting into your everyday life to help tackle racism. Mm. Uh, and this is part of our becoming an anti-racist county, you know, actively anti-racist. Um, and, you know, I always leave all of my, my webinars or seminars with the same question. What are you doing as an individual mm. to make change? Now... 
that was an excellent i mean it's so great to have the voice of marcus on the show you just need good to have a bit of representation and just some insight into what it's like to be working campaigning in cornwall yeah um, as and 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 what it's like to be a person of color in cornwall as well yeah know? yeah um, yeah definitely um but but we we just also wanted to talk about why it's so important that we're having this conversation now like why yeah. now yeah and you know like we started uh, the show by talking about the inauguration of a man who is explicitly pledged to tackle the issue of systemic racism um, and the events of the summer affected the world not just America as you know Izzy and I have been reiterating throughout this episode uh, in the UK it made us aware of issues that many people didn't even realise to be relevant uh, today for example um, stop and search uh, you know, we learned that black people are 10 times more likely to be stopped and searched by the police. Um, the slave compensation at fund, so that was compensation money that was paid out um, to slave owners by the government after the abolition of slavery. Um, and that money was still actually being paid to um, the descendants of slave owners as recently as 2015. Um, and it was being paid with taxpayers' money. So, you know that just goes to show the kind of how steeped UK's history is in in um black history uh, mm. you know and talking about education uh, you know white british students uh, more than three times more likely to achieve high grades than black students uh, all the way up to a level so you know those are just some examples there for you but i just think in this kind of post brexit post trump era of division and political polarization it's so important for us to center uh, the issues that affect the most vulnerable the most marginalized and the most disenfranchised communities which you know the black lives matter movement has i feel done um, a lot to educate people that often it is bame and people of color um groups that are the most vulnerable the most disenfranchised the most marginalized um when it comes to institution um and it's important i think it's important to say at this point as well you know at no point um me or anyone else who stands for the cause of um black lives matter saying that people haven't endured hardships of course there's you know socioeconomic hardships and, and division and marginalization but I think the key point to focus in on here is that the difference being that that white people aren't marginalised or disenfranchised because of the colour of their skin. Um, and this is what the cause of Black Lives Matter is really trying to get at, is that, you know, the mm. division and the oppression and the marginalisation has to stop on the account of someone having more melanin more pigment in their skin um Mm. and i think it's only when we uh, are able to see that we need to center the issues that affect these communities only then will we be able to see the kind of healing and unity that joe biden was talking about in his inauguration speech so Mm. that was my little Um, soapbox (laughs) this (laughs) and and this conversation is important now also because there's simply no better time than now why not now now is the time to act this has gone on for so long 
it's been it's an issue that's been sidelined for too long it's been denied it's been considered an inferior priority mm. for ages so now is the time for it to be addressed properly the emergence and increased support for all these campaign groups over the summer and the months following is a sign that now is the time mm. social change happens only when people accept that it needs to and only when they make it happen and now you've got huge swathes of people with a growing awareness of the racial the racial inequity and disenfranchisement and marginalization in our societies and um people are only realizing now that it takes them to step forwards and do it mm. to for it to happen you know mm. and we we can all do our bit because there is simply no better time than now mm. Mm. So, totally, yeah. That was my little soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've just yeah. um, tuned in, uh, you're listening to Viz with Star and Izzy on Source FM and uh, we're talking about, just now we've been talking about race and uh, racism and kind of all the issues that um, Black Lives Matter um, brought brought to people's attention uh, in the last year. So um, we are nearly running out of time um but before we go we just wanted to run through you know we've talked about quite a lot of heavy political um topics during the show um and we also um thought that you know people might want to go away and read more and educate themselves more uh, off the back of the show um so we just thought we'd throw in some recommended uh, websites and resources so the first um one which you can go and check out is the black voices cornwall website so that's www.blackvoicescornwall.org. Um, just type it into any search engine and it should come up. And um, they've got lots of information on there and also on their Facebook page. Uh, another um, place to go would be the Black Lives Matter website. They have their own resources on there uh, that we'd uh, recommend checking out. So that's just www.blacklivesmatter.com. And some other resources you could access. There's a book called Why I'm No Longer why I'm no longer talking to white people about race and also a podcast called about race by Rennie Edo Lodge that I would definitely recommend both of those yeah um, and then there's also a net there's also a Netflix feature called the 13th um, which is available on YouTube as well for free and it's just about the 13th amendment in America and just contextualizes like slave legislation and stuff like that so another thing we uh, resource we wanted to recommend uh, is mahogany books and that's an independent bookstore specializing in books written for by or about people from the uh, african diaspora and i would also recommend a book called natives which is really popular in the uk by akala who is an award-winning musician and producer among a huge long list of other inspirational things and also the book that I'm currently reading, um, The Fever Tree, which is a fictional book by Jennifer McVeigh. And I thought I'd just bring it up because I've just gotten to a chapter that's really like hitting home about like colonisation and treatment of natives in Africa in the 1880s and, and diamond trade and um, the awful things that happened in South Africa. So, um, yeah, they're, they're just some resources that we thought we we would recommend. And I mean, if you just do a simple... Uh, internet search of like how can I learn more about the Black Lives Matter movement how can I um, you know what what can I do to learn more about racism 
like you're you're bound to find so much stuff mm. um that can help you on, on your on your journey yeah mm. so i have a very uh special blur of the week um from my younger sister actually so um I will just um, play it for you now. Um, it's not live. It's uh, been pre-recorded. Um, but I asked her the question. So just to contextualise this, uh, she is 11 uh, in primary school. Um, and so I asked her the question, um, could you just record yourself saying what you would like to see more of in the world in 2021? So this is an 11-year-old's blur on what they would like to see more of in 2021. In the world, I would like to see more racial and LGBTQ plus equality and also more to do with animals like horse slaughter and animals being tested on like rats and labs and dog slaughter. But I know a lot's been done about it, but I think more needs to be done, like more activists and more protests. Bye. Oh, I mean, what a cutie, hey? That was so sweet. But she seems so, she seems wise beyond her years. They're very adult topics that she's talking about. I know, I know. Amazing, though. I know, amazing. And isn't it, yeah, I was just going to say, isn't it so amazing? Just, I think it's just representative of, you know, the younger generations. They're so on it. They're Um, just such advocates for, like, social justice basically yeah exactly i know that like i mean they're where we're at now we're 22 and you know yeah they're they're 10 and 11 it's amazing isn't it i mean it it, it, uh makes you think like what are they actually going to achieve it's going to be incredible it's going to be yeah isn't it i'm i'm excited oh so yeah well yeah well next week here um on biz we'll just give you a little heads up we are going to be chatting about words, spoken words and words in action. We're going to be welcoming on a wordsmith to help us along our way. And we're going to be exploring the power of spoken word to communicate that which we cannot normally express. It's going to be evocative, provocative, and it will certainly make you smile. So be sure to tune in next week here on Source FM uh, on Friday at 3 p.m. So thanks for joining us this week, everybody. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a good one. Yeah, we've been Viz. Viz RV, starring Izzy. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.